We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning, and um, we're going to talk about this very important, all-important topic. Do you believe in eternity? Do you believe in eternity? So a pastor was preaching on going to heaven, and he said, How many of you would like to go to heaven tonight? Everybody in the congregation raised their hand, except for one little boy up in the balcony. And so the pastor rephrased his question a little bit, little bit, and he said, How many of you would like to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand again, except for that little boy, and the pastor kind of just broke out of his platform stage presence, and he said, Okay, young man, uh, you, you don't want to go to heaven? And he says, well, yeah, someday, but I kind of thought you were getting up a bunch of people to go right now. <clears throat> so that might be a little frightening. But we are going to talk about eternity, and we're going to talk about whether we believe in it, and what do we believe in it, what does the Bible say about it, and how does it affect us? How does it impact us each and every day? So a young man came to a professor at a distinguished university to tell him what he had planned to do with his life, and he said, you know what, I've been dreaming about this, thinking about it for a while, and, and I've settled on it, I'm super excited. He said, I'm going to study law and become a lawyer. The distinguished professor looked at him and he said, well, when you have finished studying, what do you plan on doing with it? He said, well, once I'm a lawyer and I've taken the bar exam, he's like, I'm going to practice it. I'm going to be doing that as my career. And so the professor said, okay, so you're going to go to school, and then you're going to pass the bar, and then what? He said, well, then I will help to defend people. And then what? He said, well, then I'll get very successful at defending people, and I'll, I'll make a name for myself so I can help even more people. And he said, well, then what? He said, well, then I'll win some pretty big cases, and, and I'll make some money, and I'll be successful. And he said, and then what? You're like, what are you driving at? What are you asking me? He's like, well, when you're done lawyering... Then what? Because this life will soon be passed. Do you know what you will do when you're done being successful and you're done lawyering and you're done checking things off your list and you look around and you're knocking on death's door? Then what? Pretty important question to ask. Then what? What are you going to do after this is over? So here's the question for you to think about. What's the most important, the here and now or the eternal hereafter? Like what takes place here and now today in this moment, is that more important? Or what takes place forever after, is that what's most important? How can we know that eternity is real? Hadn't been there. Can't really see it with these eyes. How do we know that eternity is real? And here's a big important question. What happens if we think that eternity is real and we find out we're wrong? Or what if we think that eternity is not real and then we find out that we're wrong? So those are pretty important questions for us to ask that we want to answer today with the Scriptures. So, uh, let's look at Scriptures, uh, a couple of different ones. They're going to be on the board. I'm going to have you read two of them with me so that we can read them out loud and have them ringing in our hearts and minds and in our ears. So let's start with the first one, John 17, 3. Let's read this out loud together. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, 
whom you have sent. All right, let's read that one more time. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus was praying this prayer. He prayed it for you and for me. Talked to his Father about the fact that God's will, the will of the Father, was also the will of the Son, and that would be that we would know God the Father and we would know Jesus whom he sent, and because of knowing God the Father and Jesus whom he sent, then we would have eternal life. Let's go to the next one. Let's read this one uh, together in his, uh, as well. So read together out loud. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. All right, we won't read that one again. That inasmuch word is kind of hard to say out loud, all of us together. But uh, judgment, so it is appointed for every single one of us to die once, and then after this comes judgment. We've got a secular take on that that many people have spoken about, and they said there's two things for certain in this life, death and taxes. We all know that, right? Well, the biblical, scriptural understanding is that every one of us has been appointed to be alive, that's why we're here, and then to die once, and then after that to have judgment where we will face the Lord. You don't have to read this one out loud with me, but I want to read it for you. Matthew 25, 46. Let's go to the next one on the screen there. And so these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so, uh, again, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching through parables about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like, and about the fact that at the judgment day, there will be a separating. There will be those who are set aside to eternal punishment and those unto eternal life. And these are scripture verses that many of us don't like to read, and they make us afraid and remind us of some hellfire and brimstone preaching that maybe some of us heard when we were kids, but we want to unpack it. It's in the Bible. It must be important for us to understand. One more scripture from John 10, 27 through 28. Just listen as I read this to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Dear Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand that eternity is real that you have provided that we may have eternal life. Thank you for the warning, God, that eternal punishment is something to be avoided at all costs and that the price has been paid for us to walk in everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you can follow along and uh, take notes there in your bulletin. It'll help you to go back and look at it later. But I want to look at what the Bible says about eternity. Uh, Just kind of reading through scriptures and understanding what it is that the Bible says about eternity. The first one is that God is eternal. And so if we say, well, who is God? What is God like? Do you know him? Do you know uh, his characteristics? Let's look at scripture. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are his everlasting arms. Forever and ever, his strength, his might, his power, and he is the eternal God. So we begin to understand what eternity is by understanding who God is. He always has been, and he always will be. And he invites us to participate in eternal life with him. If I think too long about there never being a starting point for God, it makes my head hurt. 
But aren't you glad that Christianity is not a matter of us understanding all things with our cognitive understanding, but rather us believing what God has revealed with our heart by faith? Because I'm glad that God is bigger than me, because if I can figure everything out about God and completely explain him, then somehow maybe he's not as powerful as I thought. But when he is in mystery and power and strength, then I understand God is eternal, and I know it because his words told me that. Isaiah 9, 6, actually, we just came through Christmas, and here's another scripture that helps us to understand the character of God. Okay, Isaiah 9, 6, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You guys know that, right? So His name reveals His heart, reveals His character, reveals who He is from beginning to end, Alpha Omega, from everlasting to everlasting, scripture says, He is God. Third, third scripture here this morning about God being eternal is from Romans 1-2. And it actually talks about the fact that when you look at the sunrise, when you look at the snow on the boughs of the trees as it lays it down heavy during the winter, when you look at the waves crashing, crashing against the shore, it says that based on those things, we actually begin to get a glimpse of his power and his eternal attributes. And so it says in Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been seen by the things in creation. So if you saw a sunrise, you begin to get a glimpse, just a small one, a glimpse though of his power, his might, and his eternal um, being. And so we know, first of all, what the Bible says about eternity is that God is eternal. Now, the second thing the Bible tells us about eternity is that there is eternal life. So I'm going to read one scripture to you, and then you're going to help me quote the other one because you, nine out of ten of you have it memorized. So John 3.15 says, Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I knew you knew it, right? And so we know that the Bible says God is eternal. He always has been, he always will be, and he wants you and I to be with him forever. Today, tomorrow, and forever, and forever, and forever, and forever. We also know that he tells us there is eternal life. There's something to look forward to, something to believe in, something to anticipate. John 5, 24, Jesus was teaching and he said, I tell you the truth, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him, believes the Father who sent me, will have eternal life. Jesus repeated it so many times that you can't doubt it, you can't question it. He just said it's a fact. There is eternal life, it's available to you through the Father if you'll believe on me. And then in Hebrews 5, 9, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to all who will obey, to all who will believe him and obey. So God is eternal, and there is eternal life. That's a good thing. That's an awesome thing. That's something to look forward to. Um, there's also point number three, what we find out about eternity from the Bible, is that there is eternal punishment. This is the part that's uncomfortable for us. We don't like it. Um, you guys know that I'm kind of that eternal optimist, and I love to talk about all the good things. I prefer to avoid bad news, bad attitudes, and bad circumstances. I sometimes have tried to live in denial and pretend those things didn't exist. 
But Jesus said that only the truth will set you free. We have to know the truth, and the Scriptures tell us the truth, and that is there is eternal fire, death, and punishment. I've had conversations with different ones of you, with different people in my life, that says, I don't like the fact that hell exists. I don't. But the Bible says it does, and I have to come under the authority of what God has declared to be true and what God has created and what God is doing because he's eternal, and he's powerful, and I'm not. So there is eternal fire, death, and punishment. Matthew 25, 41 says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So this is a very important point that some people may not know. Did you know the hell was not ever created for humans? It wasn't created for you and me. It was created as a separation and a punishment for the devil who rebelled against God and took all of those angels with him to rebel against God even though they'd seen the glory of God, the holiness of God, and the love of God face to face. They'd seen it and they still chose to rebel and God created this place of separation and punishment for them. So it's actually what you may have heard an old timer call a devil's hell because it wasn't meant for us. But it does exist. Matthew 25, 46 says, These who disobey, who ignore the Lord, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones into eternal life. So John 3, 36 says this, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's this simple contrast of believe and you'll receive from the Lord eternal life. Uh, disbelieve, disobey, and you will instead go the direction of your own choosing. And so one, my, one more verse, what Scripture says about the eternal punishment. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of His power. There are so many Scriptures. I'll just tell you that just about two years, three years ago, I decided I wanted to know what the Bible said about hell so that I didn't just believe what I heard somebody else say about it. And I went through the Bible to look it all up. Because maybe... I misunderstood. Maybe there was something there that was different than I had always heard. And I went through the Bible and I read every place that it talked about hell and they came away with three conclusions. One is that it actually exists. The second is that it is everlasting. And the third is that it is suffering. There's a lot of questions that I still have about it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there for any amount of time, let alone everlasting. And I certainly don't want to suffer forever and ever. So I want to do whatever it takes to say, Lord, since you said I could have eternal life and that I could avoid punishment, I want to cling to you and I want to run from that. So, the hard question, this point number two in your outline this morning, the hard question is, why does it sometimes seem that we don't care about eternity? I don't think that we don't care. I think we feel like it's so far off. I think we feel like it's so far off that we'll kind of get around to it when we get around to it. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We dream about it. We think about it. I, I don't know. I remember looking forward to the day I would graduate from high school. I couldn't wait. I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to be out on my own. I'm going to go, and I'm going to, go to college, and I'm going to drive on my own. I won't have to answer to my parents all the time. I won't have to have curfew. I won't have to do everything they tell me to do. I can't wait. Man, it feels like forever. I mean, I started dreaming about driving when I was six years old. And I would watch them drive and figure out which thing did which 
And so I figured that I could, I could drive a car at six years old. I knew what I was doing. I was ready to move on. And then one day, all of a sudden, it was there, and I didn't know what to do with myself. Oh my goodness, I've graduated. I'm actually out from under my parents' roof, and I'm on my own. And then I started dreaming about what it would be like to be married one day. After all, my parents went to college and they got married, so probably when I go to college, I'll get married. What's it going to be like? Who's she going to be? And, and how are we going to meet? And what's the romance going to be like? And then all of a sudden, even though it felt like it was a long way off, boom, we were there. And I wasn't scared at all until the pastor said, okay, let's go in now. <laughs> and man, I got scared for about 30 seconds between the door and the front of the altar. But we think that eternity is so far off that we kind of think, it'll be awesome, I can't wait for the day, but I got plenty of time. So why do we sometimes act like we don't care? One reason is because it seems like Jesus is kind of slow in coming back. Right? So there was a parable that Jesus told, and it was actually about a wedding banquet, and Jesus said that there were these ten young women who were invited to the wedding banquet to help celebrate with the bride and the groom. And they're waiting for the doors of the banquet hall to be opened in order for these ten young ladies to come into the party and celebrate with the bride and the groom. Well, the groom took a long time to open the door. Forever and ever. And these young ladies are like, we have been standing here for a ridiculous amount of time, I guess he's never coming. Or if he's coming, we've got plenty of time to go and do what we want and then come back. And Jesus said that there came a place where five of those young ladies were ready to come into the banquet and the other five were not and they had wandered off and they missed their opportunity because they thought the groom was taking too long to open the door. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, and Peter was talking, the Apostle Peter, and he said, recognize this, in the last days, mockers will come, and they will mock, and they will say, where's this second coming that everybody's been talking about? It doesn't exist. That's what Peter said would happen. People would say, we've been waiting and waiting from the beginning of all of this Christianity for Jesus to come back, and it hadn't happened, so he probably isn't. But those are mockers who are mocking, and it's the devil who's trying to put a stumbling block in your path. But I think one reason it seems like we don't care about eternity is because it seems like Jesus is slow in coming back. Did you know that when they were talking about those ten young ladies getting ready to go into the banquet hall, it actually says that they became drowsy and almost went to sleep. Do you think that sometimes we get a little drowsy waiting on God to come back? Like, I'm tired, God. It's been a rough Week, month, year. I've had a rough part of my life. God, if you would just come back and bring us home. But sometimes he asks us to persevere a bit longer and not to grow drowsy, but to awaken and be ready for him to come back. I think another reason that sometimes we think that eternity, it seems like we don't care about eternity, is because we're consumed with what is loud and urgent and most demanding. Have you ever been in the middle of a project, and when you're working on that project, all of a sudden you get interrupted, and you turn your attention from the project you were working on to the interruption. And so you take the phone call, the, the person that comes in that needs a little bit of help, you help them, and you spend a good bit of time with them, and all of a sudden your phone or your watch beeps at you, and you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be somewhere in five minutes and I totally forgot all about it because we got distracted. We got distracted by something that was urgent, something that was pressing, something that was right there in front of us and we forgot about the deadline that was looming. 
I think that's why sometimes that we act as if eternity doesn't really matter. It's not that big of a deal because we've been distracted by something that we think is more important when really it's not. I think another reason is because we think we have plenty of time. I've heard it said before where people say, you know what, I will repent before I die. I can live like whoever I want now because as long as I repent right before I die, I can still go to heaven. It's trifling with the blood of Jesus, for one. It's trivializing what he's offered to us. But for another, we don't ever know the moment. D.L. Moody talked about the fact that uh, he was in Chicago. He was getting ready. Well, he was in the middle of preaching, and he said, I'm going to tell you how you can be saved and you can go to heaven. And then he said, next Sunday night, come back and I'll tell you how. That week, there was a great fire in Chicago, and there was never that next Sunday night for him to preach to that particular congregation how they might be saved and go to heaven. Sometimes we think eternity, it seems like eternity is not that big of a deal because we say, I can repent. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then, and we need to get it right with Jesus now. I think sometimes it seems like eternity isn't as big of a deal to us because we think that real life, real life seems more important. Ever been accused of spending way too much time with those church folks? Or read way too much time reading that Bible? You're just a Jesus freak. And why can't you get to real life? Why can't you just get about living your life like you're supposed to in everyday life? And we say, no, the most important thing is eternity. The most important thing is Jesus. So I want to read to you from 2 Peter um, chapter 3. The Lord is not slow about keeping his promise that he's going to come back. He's not slow. He's not delayed it. But rather... He's patient with you and with me, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Aren't you glad that God is patient so that you have enough time to get saved? And your loved one who's stuck in addiction, in darkness, in depression, has enough time to get saved. He's patient. There's going to be a time and a day and a moment where death will come and judgment will come, but he's being patient with us so that we can be ready for eternity. And so it says, Dearly beloved, this is again in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, Dear, Dearly beloved, be diligent to be found in Jesus, to be found in Jesus, peace, uh, spotless and blameless, and regard God's patience as your salvation. So, point number three this morning is this. If, I hope since, we believe in eternity, what will it take for you and I to live in accordance with what we believe? If we believe eternity is real, if we believe eternity is the most important thing that we should be working for, if we believe that our eternal Father says, I'll give you an eternal reward, what will it take for you and I to live in accordance with what we believe? I'm going to give you kind of three thoughts on this and then some scripture. One is that we have to believe that what we don't see with our eyes is more important than what we do see with our eyes. Right? So what we see with our eyes on the headlines of the news in America right now says that Life is bad, America's in trouble, and that we are in a bad spot. But what does the unseen see? The unseen sees God is on the throne, God is working, God is moving, Congress doesn't save us, a president doesn't save us, right? Gun laws don't save us. What saves us is Jesus Christ. And so what we see with our eyes says, man, this world's bad and we're in trouble. And there's some truth to that. 
But what we don't see with our eyes, what we see with faith is God has made a way for us to be delivered. So eternity is that we believe that what is unseen is more important than what is seen. The second thing is that we have to believe that the future has an impact or what we do in the present has an impact on what the future looks like. We have to believe that, that, that what, how we live in the present, what we believe and how we obey and how we listen and how we heed the voice of God has an impact on later. You ever think about that? That what you're saying to that person across from you might make an impact on their eternity? I, I love it when I hear somebody say back to me something from 10 years before, 15 years before, and they say, you were preaching or we were talking or we had this conversation and you said this and I turned my life over to the Lord and it changed everything. And I don't always remember the conversations to the same extent as they do because at that moment it was eternal life impacting them. right? And it came in. And so what you say in the moment, what you do in the moment, how you act in the moment can impact other people's future. The third thing I want to say to you about what we need to do is that we have to believe God's word over and above our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, and our preferences. If eternity is real, and it is, and if God says that he invites us to walk in his eternal ways and his eternal glory, then we have to believe that this overrides how we think and how we feel and what the circumstances are and what our preferences are and what our opinions are. You know, I've got some ideas and preferences that the Bible says are wrong. I'll give you an example. I prefer to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and not stop eating. I like that. The Bible says it's wrong. It even names it as a sin. Gluttony. But you know what I like better than eating and eating and eating and eating and eating? I like the peace and the joy that comes in obedience to my Father. And so my preference for my Father above and for pleasing Him overrides any other preference that I have because I want to glorify Him and I want to honor Him and I want to join Him in heaven forever and I don't want to threaten that by saying, you know what, I want to eat and eat and eat. That's just one example. It could be any number of other things that you prefer, but yet your preference for God has to be greater. So let me give you a couple of scriptures. John 6, 27 says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, Jesus, will give you. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, Remember that the light and momentary affliction that you have right now in the troubles that you're going through, it's light and momentary, it's going to pass away, but when you compare it to the eternal weight of glory that you're going to get, it pales in comparison. In other words, the struggles you're going through, yeah, it hurts. It, it really does. But you can give it to him and know that God's going to bring you eternal reward after this is all over. Another scripture, Zechariah 4, 6 says this. I love it. This is the word of the Lord. This is what it says. I'm reading it to you. This is the word of the Lord saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can't get to heaven by how hard you work. You can't get eternal life by checking off a list of how many times you go to church and how many times you read your Bible. You can go to heaven by believing on Jesus Christ and inviting Him to be Lord and Savior of your life. And then to walk in accordance with Him where you keep in step with His Spirit and you say, God, how do I handle my marriage? How do I handle my 
kids? How do I handle my time? How do, how do I handle the resources you've given me because I'm walking with you. It wasn't a one-time thing where I prayed for you to bring me to heaven. It was a commitment where I said, God, you'll be my God and I'll be your child and I'll walk with you forever, so tell me how to walk because I want to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. So hear these final words this morning. And I've written it in a way where it kind of sounds a little bit like Zechariah, where it said, this is the word of the Lord. Hear this. Dearly beloved, hear the word of the Lord to you and to me this morning. God is calling us away from lethargy and apathy where we just kind of say, I'll try. Maybe I'll be an okay Christian. God says, I want you to be a wholehearted Christian believing on me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord speaks to us about not being lukewarm, but to let him bring eternal life into us. Hear the word of the Lord. In this world, there is sin, and we are in a nation where Christianity is more about cultural Christianity sometimes than it is about transformational Christianity, where God wants to change you, and he wants to change the world through you. So make a commitment to the Lord that you will live with that eternal perspective in mind that He wants to change you and change the world through you. Hear the word of the Lord, repent, turn away from your sins, and believe on Jesus so you can be saved. Hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews 10.36. The day of the Lord is coming and it will not delay. The day of judgment is coming and it will not delay. In a very little while, he who is coming will come. He will not delay, but my righteous one, that's you and me, if we say yes to Jesus and we obey him, my righteous one will live by faith. If you shrink back, God has no pleasure in you shrinking back. But, the author of Hebrews says, you're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed in hell. You're of those who believe on Jesus and press into the heart of God for salvation and eternal life. The author of Hebrews believes that about you, and so do I. You're not the ones who shrink back. You're the ones who press in and believe. This is the will of my Father, Jesus said, that everyone who sees the Son, Jesus, and believes in Him will have eternal life, and Jesus Himself will raise you up on the last day if you will believe. There's a saying that's written in London, right outside the city of London, and and it says this, Passerby, stop and think. I'm already in eternity, but you're on the brink. Yours and my day is coming. Are we ready to see Jesus face to face? So we're going to stop and we're going to pray two prayers. One is about If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to know that you're going to heaven forever with Him, to pray that prayer. And the second is if you say, I know that I've been kind of lukewarm, trifling with Christianity instead of living like there's an eternity in mind. And we're going to pray a prayer of wholehearted commitment to the Lord. So let's pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you've never accepted Jesus or if you don't know that if he came back today, you would be ready to see him face to face, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for offering me forgiveness of sins. 
I accept you as my Savior. Come into my heart and life. I want to live for you forevermore. If you have already accepted Jesus, but you want to live with eternity in mind, so you don't just get distracted by this world, but you focus on the eternal. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for so often living for this moment and not for eternity. God, I want to be all in. I want to focus on bringing glory to you now and forever. And I don't want to play games when it comes to eternity. So Lord, I commit to wholeheartedly follow you. Help me, Lord. I know it's not by my might, it's not by my strength, but it's by your Spirit that I'm saved and that I'm kept to the end. Lord Jesus, I thank you for heard each of these prayers and each person who's prayed each of them. And I pray, O oh God, that they would have the confirmation of your Holy Spirit telling them that they are a child of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and that you are preparing them for eternity. God, I pray you would help us to be ready for eternity. There's nothing we can do that will somehow earn our way there, but you've already made it possible and you've paid the price and we want to live every moment aware of eternity for our sake, for your glory, and for the sake of those around us. Thank you, God, for giving us this, your word. I pray it's been a wake-up call for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I bless you and dismiss you, if you could look in the pew back in front of you, there is a thing that says, I have decided. Uh, kind of pull one of those out. Um, there should be one in each of those uh, openings. So there's not enough for every person, but there's, there's one per section there. It says, I have decided. If you this morning decided for the very first time to follow Jesus, put a little check mark next to that part that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then on your way out, uh, just kind of give it to, uh, put it in the offering plate on your way out um, with your name in it. I can follow up with you and I can celebrate with you. There's a couple other things you can check off there if you've decided something different. You can even write in a prayer request there or you can write in, I've decided to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. Anything that you want to put in there uh, as a message to me, I would encourage you to do so. Eternity is too important to mess around with the temporary. Matter of fact, I heard somebody say this once. They said, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. Think about it. So I want to bless you as you walk out of this place to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be upon you. May you believe in the name of the Son of God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then in Him may you know that you have eternal life.